0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
1: A magnificent Monday afternoon. How goes it? Welcome to the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440, Oilers Nation YouTube, also live at sports1440.ca. If you're uh, listening on your uh, app anywhere, Stingray. Radio player, iHeartRadio, you can get them all there. So uh, wherever you are digesting the show, audio or video, we very much appreciate it. As always, brought to you by our title sponsor, PlayAlberta.ca. Oh, baby, get in there right now because there is lots happening. It's a holiday south of the border, Martin Luther King Day. Uh, Talk about having a pretty big impact and a lasting legacy in the world for uh, Martin Luther King. King and uh, Big Celebration, of course. There's uh, two NFL games. You have the Bills. Uh, That game was, of course, postponed due to snow, but they'll play it today as uh, they are hosting in uh, what should be an interesting game. Connor Halley. And then you have uh, also uh, Philly taking on Tampa Bay. Later tonight, uh, I should mention Buffalo's playing Pittsburgh. I didn't say who their opponent is, but it it will be Pittsburgh. And uh, interesting, we saw Houston crush Cleveland at home, was Houston. KC at home, pounded Miami. Detroit at home, squeaked by the Rams, 24-23. And the uh, Dallas Cowboys, if you look at the final score, 48-32, you'll think, oh, it was close, and it wasn't close. I, that, that might be the most flattering score, um, other than helping the over, if you bet it, at playalberta.ca, because that game was 41-16 after three quarters. It was over. And, uh, yeah, Dallas put up, uh, two touchdowns and uh, extra, uh, you know, two point conference in the, uh, in the fourth quarter, but, uh, way too little, way too late. And I know Dak, people are going to, yeah, but he passed for 400 yards. Yeah. All, all in garbage time. Like, that's got to be one of the most misleading stat lines ever. Ever. They were brutal early on. The play calling was terrible. So uh, we'll get into that uh, later on today. Also, order fans, you wake up, it's cold outside. It's birthday safe, wear proper clothing. It's awful out there. But order fans, I'm guessing you're feeling a little bit better because your team has done something that they've never done before. Win 10 consecutive games in a row. Now. It is important to point out that shootouts are something that are here now that weren't there in the 80s, right? And now the order has only won one game during this stretch in in a shootout. But otherwise, that would be a tie, and this would be a winless streak. So, I, hey, by the current rules, it's a winning streak. I love it. I just, for people that say, well, why didn't the 80s team do it? Well, there was no shootouts, and that does play a factor. I was looking at, the. did you know that since shootouts have been implemented in the NHL, or sorry, prior to shootouts, there was 25 winning streaks of 10 plus games in NHL history. Since 2006 till now, there's been 39. So there's been a few more. Now there's more teams. There's a larger gap in skill sometimes. You've got, uh, you know, a few teams that are a little bit easier to beat up on, shall we say? So that's always a factor. Now Boston won 10 in a row last year, didn't use a shootout. And I could go, I was going to go through all of them uh, when I had time here to look and, and see. Um, last year, another team, Carolina, I think, won their first nine, but then the 10th was a shootout. So that wouldn't, wouldn't be a 10 gamer. But, uh, either way, the orders, they're up to 10. 64 times it's happened in NHL history. It drops down significantly to 31 who have won 11 in a row, which is what the orders will go for now against the Toronto Maple Leafs tomorrow night. So we'll see what happens. The Columbus Blue Jackets won 16 in a row. Not long ago. So if the Columbus Blue Jackets can do it, anything can happen. Anything. So we'll see. The Orders, they uh, they uh are the hottest team in the NHL right now. Winners of 18 of the last 21. So they are the favorite without question tomorrow night against the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, who uh, blew two leads over the weekend. Uh, we're up 3-0 in the first period of Colorado. Lost 5-3. That was ugly. And then uh, last night, we're leading uh, Detroit 2-1. Oh, and end up uh, losing that game when a uh, cop scored. Uh, they tied it, and then cop scored the uh, winner in the, what, final two minutes of the game? Ouch. Just under two minutes. And then they gave up an empty netter, and they lose 4-2. to two. Uh, But, Order fans, and maybe some of you are like, I don't want to look at the schedule. I don't want to look at the standings. It's too hard. Well, something tells me you'll be looking at them right now. Because uh, the Edmonton Orders have rolled themselves to 1.0 point back of the L.A. Kings. They're six points behind Vegas and they have four games in hand. L.A. is currently playing right now. They actually just scored. They're leading Carolina one nothing. Seattle, who is tied for points anyway with Edmonton, but has played way more games. Uh, their nine game winning streak comes to an end. Shut out this afternoon in Pittsburgh. So they will be here in Edmonton on Thursday will the uh, Seattle Kraken, but uh, they won't be coming in on a winning streak because uh, that ended today. So that's how it goes, baby. It's uh, it's hard to win, and the Oilers are hoping they just keep winning, and why not? The, the, the great news about the Oilers is, defensively, they have been very, very consistent. Incredibly consistent. Eight straight games, They've only allowed two or fewer goals. That's the fourth time in franchise history they've done it. They're tied for third. It happened once when they went nine straight and another time they went ten. So uh, the Orders, they're playing very well right now, defensively. They're, if, if anything, you'd be like, well, offensively, they've gotten a lot of shots. haven't been able to finish lately. If there's one trend where you think, eh, maybe, like could the Orders have a game where they score 40 and lose three to two? Yeah, based on how they played lately, offensively, there's a chance. Right there's a chance, but they've got the Leafs who tomorrow will be their third game in four nights. Then they've got Seattle on Thursday, third game in four nights, and then they face the uh, the Calgary Flames on Saturday in Calgary. That's the uh, only road game the rest of the month for the Orders, and they have a uh, Columbus, Chicago, and Nashville next Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. So the Orders' the schedule is still very favorable for them. Let's say they just go five and one, which is still really good. That means they would go into the All-Star break on a, a heater of 23 and 4. I think you would take it. Now, maybe somebody's greedy and it was like, let's go for 16. Well, why not? Who doesn't like a long winning streak? Right? You've never seen it before, order fans. You've never lived it. You don't know, but uh, the orders, like LA is right in their sights and Vegas isn't far out. Not at all. So, and considering Jack Eichel is now on the IR, he's going to miss some time, which didn't sound overly positive. It wasn't uh, weeks, but he'll miss time. So, I would think, you know, will he be back when the Orders play the Golden Knights coming out of the uh, All-Star slash bye week break on February 6th? That's maybe best case scenario for Vegas. So, yeah, the way the Orders are going the way Vegas is struggling, the way they're injured, the way the Kings are struggling—heck, the Orders could be in second place by the end of the month. Crazy. Now it's going to be difficult to catch Vancouver. Let's be honest. the uh, The Canucks have played very well, very well. So there you have it. Other news regarding the Orders: uh, Leon Dreisaitl will be going to the All Star Game. He will also be competing in the Skills Competition this year. It's going to be uh, twelve players, mano a mano. They're going to go into the—you uh, know—you you, got to—you get to pick. You don't have to do everyone. But you have to pick, I think, five of the skills, and then they will crown a winner. Who is the best? You know, they got the hardest shot. They got the accuracy. They got the fastest skater. All the different things. So passing should be fun. You know they're competitive. You know they're competitive, so that'll be good. Uh, you can get involved in the show. 833-401-1440 is the uh, text line that you can uh, text us. Or call us. It's the exact same number. Text or call. Eight three three four one fourteen forty 14 40 cons. What'd you make of the, uh, the Oilers, uh, in Montreal? That, cause of course, uh, we talked on Friday after they won on Thursday night. Uh, kind of a meh game, really. Like, not a lot happened in that Montreal game.
2: No, I'm with you. Yeah. 2-1 in overtime. You kind of expect that, right? Not too much going on. I wonder for the Oilers, you know, the last game of the road trip. You're just trying to get it done. You don't, you don't really care how you get the two points. You just want to leave with the two points. They certainly did that. I thought there might be a little more boost in the game with it being in Montreal, the mecca of hockey, Martin St. Louis saying if there was one thing he could do the last day of his life, it'd be going to a Montreal Canadiens game. I thought there might be a little more energy, Gregor, but you know, good for the Oilers. Like I said, they got out of there with the two points. Did what they had to do, extended the streak, and uh, now come home. And it's going to be a crazy atmosphere tomorrow with the Leafs in town. But yeah, kind of a not not the energy I expected in that game. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um,
1: it was a little quieter than normal at the uh, at the Bell Center. It's normally a really rocking place, but it was it was very excitable for Phil Kemp. He made his NHL debut, got to play wing, and he was fired up about it. He's you know he's still with the team now. Every day for Phil Kemp is uh, you know what a great day in the National Hockey League, as it should be good for him. Uh, coming up on the show today, uh, we'll have a good one for you. Uh, Terry Ryan, of course, our regular uh, co-host, joins us. Um, the, uh, uh, the other good news is that uh, Terry Ryan, I don't know if you if you saw the story or not, but uh, TR got the call to come out of retirement. He's like the Yarmir Jagger of the Maritimes. At a young, spry, 47 years of age, he dressed in a professional hockey game. Yesterday, afternoon for the Newfoundland Growlers, and Tr gave one of the most raw, beautiful post game interviews. Um, you know, we'll play snippets of it here uh, on the show today, but it, it was great because you know it's raw. You, you get the feeling of, and, and I think it's a really good reminder for people, at least for me anyway, is I think sometimes we get caught up in. You, You can only really celebrate when you're at the top of the top. Right. And you know what? If you have something really good happen, but yeah, you know what? And I'm using hockey right now as an analogy. It's like people who try to downplay the CFL. Like it's, well, it's the CFL, it's not the end. You're still in the top zero 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 percent of players in the world. Okay. And most of the people who rip on it haven't done much themselves. So I don't know, I guess they feel better by trying to uh, downplay the successes of others. right? And uh, so Terry Ryan played in the ECHL last night, professional hockey. And it wasn't the level of play that was meaningful for Terry. So I'll let you hear from him in his own words coming up at uh, 3 o'clock today, but I thought it was an excellent uh, post-game interview from uh, T.R., um, you know you can uh, you can't change somebody's personality on the ice, and we saw that he drops the flippers. What a classic! So uh, we'll talk about that uh, with Tr today on the uh, on the program. Uh, also, uh, Dave Jameson is going to be by. Um, it's a good friend of Robin Brownlee, of course. Rube's uh, joins us uh, Monday and Thursday. And uh, if you're just uh, tuning in, of course, uh, Robin passed away unexpectedly uh, last Thursday. So at least for the next few weeks, we're, we're going to have friends kind of fill in his slot. And uh, we'll talk sports, but also talk a little bit about rubes. Uh, have some fun with that. We got the two-minute warning with Cam Tate coming up. Uh, Ken Reed will uh, join us. Also, uh, we'll hear from uh, Ryan and Ryan's ran to Andy Petrillo some concerning statistics when it comes to uh, women's soccer and a specific injury. We'll talk about that. Uh, spec will be by. Kevin Woodley, as always, talking goaltenders in the five o'clock hour. We'll take your thoughts and calls. 833 401 1440 can Texas. Uh, you can call the same number, uh, either one. Uh, also, uh, in regards to uh, to Robin Brownlee, uh, for his wife, uh, Annalyn and son, Sam, um, you know, death, unexpected ones, are you know, any death is hard. But when it's unexpected and, uh, you know, you got a young son in high school, it's, uh, it's even more challenging, I think. And not just, not just the moment that he passes, but like the aftershocks and the after effects. And anybody out there listening who's gone through the loss uh, of, a, of a loved one, uh, you know, especially if you were young and it was a parent or, you know, you were young and it was your spouse or your partner, that is, a, that's a big challenge. And so we've set up a GoFundMe page to, to help, uh, Annalyn and Sam, uh, you know, cover funeral expenses and, you know, it helps, uh, uh, you know, Sam's graduating this year from, uh, from high school and has aspirations to go to university and college. And, um, you know, the Brownleys kind of, we're in some tough times. There's some stuff that just, it's not for public knowledge. So I don't want to go too deep, but, you know, if we can help him out, that would be great. So, uh, we have set up a GoFundMe for Robin Brownlee. Uh, we have it up, uh, I'm pretty sure, uh, right now if you go to, uh, um, sports 1440ca um, it is, uh, it's
2: there. Is it on the webpage? It is, yes. If you scroll down, uh, it's, it's right there. Yeah. So one, on the
1: front, just go down, you'll see. Yeah. it. Yeah. And
2: then there's a direct link to it, the yeah. GoFundMe as well. So
1: you can see it right at sports1440.ca. If you want to text us, Connor can uh, send you the link, uh, as well. So, uh, we're off to a very good start coming up on, uh, one third of our goal. Which is awesome, and uh, this will be very meaningful. So if uh, if Rube's ever touched you, you like what he said, disagreed, or maybe just you know what you want to help out. Uh, any donation, man, a ten bucks, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's all gonna add up, which is uh, fantastic, and so uh, that that'll help a, a family in need uh, right now, and uh, who are obviously uh, hurting pretty substantially with the uh, sudden passing of our, our good friend Robin Brownley. So uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Uh, we'll talk more about rubes with uh, Dave Jamison and talking uh, orders. Uh, we'll talk uh, Elks, some uh, decisions they've made. Uh, you're going to like our Who Is It Wednesday guest today a lot. It's going to be fiery. Uh, I'm looking forward to that as well. Uh, we'll return on the Jason Greger Show presented by playalberta.ca. 220. I forgot to mention this in the opener. Welcome back to the Greger Show. Jake Serezna, Canadian D lineman. Traded to the Argonauts for receiver Curley Gittins Jr. What? Wow. There's, yeah, yeah. You know, he had 12 sacks last year. So now I get it's an American for a Canadian. I understand all that. But you know what? Um, I, I, I guess clearly this looks like a salary cap dump. But when you're a bad team and now you get rid of your better players just to save cap space, it's hard. Right? it's difficult to improve. That's just a fact. So uh we'll see. You know, Gittins Jr. is Jr.'s gonna have to come like how much of an impact can he make? Maybe some. But I don't think it's gonna be that easy just to go out there and like it took it takes you a while to get you to understand the CFL. There's very few D linemen who come in right away and dominate. There's the odd guy,
2: yes, but man, this is a little bit of a head scratcher. What do you think, Cons? Well, uh, getting you know, going back a couple of years ago, had a 1,000-yard season playing with McLeod Bethel-Thompson, so there might be a little bit there, getting him one of his guys, and I believe Serezna was due a bonus today, yeah. which might have been part of it. I think their salaries are comparable, though, so it might not even be a cash dump. It might just be making a move, bringing in a player who you think can really help out. I don't know what the implications will be for the rest of that receiving core, if there will be anything with that, but... Uh, mm. Giddens is a good player, well, you know. And yeah, yeah. He, he can make some plays. So I just
1: love we'll to see. I, I just find I know we'll get to Dave Jameson. He, he covered the league for a long time, worked for it, but I I find it's easier to find a an impact receiver historically than it is to find an impact defensive lineman.
2: Well, hey, what did Ed Hervey say? Build the trenches, right?
1: Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. So that's a, a little a uh, little bit of a an oddity one for me. Uh, let's get to the uh, oil report now. Brought to you by Volvo Cars Edmonton dot. Calm. And I tell you, when it's cold right now, the one thing you do not want to worry about is reliability. You want a vehicle that you know is going to start. And if by chance something goes wrong, you want a place that's going to service you and take good care of you. And that's what Volvo Cars Edmonton does. Vehicles are awesome. No issues starting in the cold. And if, if something does break down, trust me, top quality service, none better in the city. Volvo Cars Edmonton. As uh, Dave Jamison uh, joins us, and uh, JMO we're going to get your thoughts on the uh, Elks in a sec. But of course, uh, Robin Brownlee has, uh, you know, this has been a slot now since yeah. we started, and uh, unfortunately passed away. Uh, this past Thursday. So and I, I know you, Robin, for, man, decades uh-huh. now. So, uh, you know, and, and there's there's kind of, you know, there's a few different sides of Bronte. There is the uh, the uh, the pre fatherhood and uh, and marriage Bronte. Uh, and then yeah. afterwards, and uh, definitely a little bit of a softer one afterwards, which is totally fine. But uh, <laughs> do you, do you got any good memories of, uh, of Bronte uh-huh. when you uh, when you first met him working?
3: Well, oh, many, many. Uh, first of all, let me let me just start, Jay, by extending to you personally and to, to the families of both John Short and uh, Robin, who you know we lost on the same day, and that was crushing. In isolation, it would be bad, but uh, having both of those gentlemen pass um, was almost too much. But. Um, you're right. I knew Robin for a very long time in my former role as vice president of communications with the Eskimos. I had many dealings with Robin over the year, years. Um, and I, I was able to I did this a number of years ago when Robin and I were chatting when we were both at TSN. Um, how much I appreciated when Robin would come out and cover the football team. He was coming from the Euler beat. And there are times, Jay, and you'll know this because you've, you've lived in both worlds, where someone coming off the oiler beat may be assigned by their editor to come over and cover a an Eskimo practice or a game or whatever it was, and they were sort of like, oh, God, I've got to go over and do this. Huh? Because the NHL is the NHL. And um, Robin would come over and treat our players with great respect and he always came prepared he'd clearly you know he hadn't been following the team closely but he would take the time to call me he would take the time to understand the key you know who were the personalities in the room frankly where were the stories and man he wrote football really well i know he's known as a hockey writer and and a guy that covered the oilers in the nhl for a long time but I always was impressed with what Robin did when he and in his interactions, and we had a lot of laughs over the years. We shared a love of music, yes, Kiss as well, <laughs> and uh, we're West Coast guys. He and I would laugh about the New Westminster salmon bellies and Ernie Punch McLean and Patty Janelle, and you know we were close in age, and so there were a lot of common things that Robin and I shared. So I, I and, but I would say tough but fair. A reporter that took no BS, and if he was in a scrum, you knew he was there, if you know what I mean.
1: Yeah. yeah no, it's a, well, you always knew he was there. He couldn't miss the bison head, right? He was blocking the camera well, some of the times. It was a classic. Uh,
3: Jay, there are NHL coaches <laughs> that would love to have a guy like a net front president yeah. like Robin Brownlee was in the scrum. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when he posted up, you weren't getting him out of the paint.
1: <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's very true, and it's... Um, yeah. You know, to, and he covered it, uh, with enthusiasm. And I like what you said, respect about it. You know, he loved covering the Trappers beat for a long time when he first oh, started yeah. here. I think that was one of his favorite beats to cover, right? The, just cause lots of different players coming through and you kind of then got to see them go on to, to the next level, which was fantastic. And, you know, the, the, the thing I really liked about Bronte was he had a real good wit to his writing. He could be self-deprecating and man, yes. he could really subtly, quickly carve guys or, you know, anybody would just, Three or four words like "oh, mouth breathers, pencil yeah. neck." God, he had some funny lines.
3: But all you just nailed something about Robin's ability as a writer. It's hard to write funny, Jay. Yes, it's, it's really hard. Ask you're a writer. You know, it, but it's hard to write comedically, if that's mm-hmm. the right word for this. And he was able to do it like few others. And we take ourselves very seriously in a lot of parts of our lives, but in, sometimes in sports too much so. But Brownlee could find a little nugget of humor and and share that with his readers. And that is both that's a gift, it's a skill, and I think anyone who read his stuff was better for it.
1: Dave Jamison uh Joins us and, uh, you know, JMO, I'd, I'd be curious, uh, you know, how Bronte and others, uh, what do you make of this trade today? Uh, you know, Ceresna goes out, uh, you know, Gittins comes in, it's a receiver for a D but now it is Canadian for an American. So, you know, I understand the ratio factor of it, but, uh, I also understand, you know, where, where the strengths of your team come and usually it starts on the O and D line.
3: Oh, I, Jay, I don't, I don't disagree with what you just said. I mean, I'm a guy, not not that anyone would ever want me running their football teams, but I'm I'm like that. I'm built up front, offense and defense. What are you doing on the lines? We'll figure out the other stuff later. If you can get a half-decent quarterback, you can fill in the rest of the stuff, but you've got to get it right up front. All of that said, I think what, what Connor said just as you know, we were getting into this segment about giving McLeod Bethel-Thompson places of comfort right out of the gate. He knows Gittins. There's probably, if not a friendship, certainly an on-field relationship. And Ceresna is is a name that Elks fans have come to love and they've heard it enough with the number of times he's in on a play and sacking a quarterback. So it's always a little jarring to have to give up to get. But I think that that's where I'd go in terms of the analysis is, okay, you've got a quarterback coming in and he's got to be good out of the gate. The stakes are high, but I I think that that's where I go when I when I look at this trade just quickly evaluate it.
1: What what about the overall for the, I, you know, originally I was like, oh, geez, they're bringing in Bethel Thompson. Then I had him on my show. And my goodness, that, that was one of the best interviews I've had in a long time with a guy who, uh-huh. who really understands the importance of wanting to nurture young quarterbacks. And, you know, Warren Moon talked about, you know what, if you want a great quarterback, you're going to have to nurture him. And so, you know, we'll see if Trey Ford can, can learn from uh, from Bethel Thompson. But, man, like there there's lots going around the green and gold. You worked inside that organization for a long time, Dave. Like this, uh-huh. they're in a real crucial time. Uh, for this team. And, you know, they're, they're, they've opened for business as far as ownership. And, you know, they're looking for a a private owner. As somebody who worked for the organization, how, how different, what do you think the benefits would be of private ownership?
3: Well, it's, it's a, it's an interesting question. It's a good question. It's one that gets asked a lot, I'm sure within, you know, the offices there and, and even outside those offices, because since 1949, the club has been community owned and successfully so. Yeah. But it's now, and we don't have to recount the things that have happened to get to a point where conversations are being had about whether you know private ownership is the thing to pursue. I mean, it, it gives it in the hands of the right person. Um, there, it's it's financing that is solid and will be is sustainable and. Um, So there are those obvious benefits. You see the ownership change in Montreal, what that means and brings to that organization, um, and what it has done elsewhere in the CFL when new owners properly financed and committed. You know, there's lots of people with, you know, means, personal wealth, um, who may not be necessarily committed, but if you can find both, and whatever, whomever that is, um, it can be, it can be very effective. So, I mean, the conversation, you know, it tells you that it's, it's at a place where, um, it's necessary to be either pursuing actively. Uh, and I don't have any knowledge on this area, but certainly the conversations, it's more than just kind of a whisper.
1: Yeah. Oh, definitely. I, well, I've, yeah. I've had people reach out to me personally, um, you know, at, you know, guys who are interested in maybe being ownership saying, hey, what would you think? Well, you know, what's this? What are you hearing? So I know there's interest in it there and yep. as there should be like for many years, this, this organization was very financially secure. There's, there's no doubt about that. Right. So, well, um,
3: you know, Jason, they're go- They're going to be celebrating. The club is going to be celebrating 75th season uh, this coming year. Yeah, And so the, you know, it would, if you reflect on the history of this the, the team and this uh, club here, it has been, and it still is, but was a foundational piece of the league. I mean, Edmonton has helped more franchises in this league than probably anyone cares to admit over the years, both with financial support. there Sometimes trades were made, Jay, that didn't necessarily benefit Edmonton, but they sure helped the other team, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. That, well, yeah there were players that, that were sent elsewhere that were still very effective But there were teams in great need and deals were made.
1: Now, for the record, Dave, Ricky Ray trade was not one of those deals. No, no. Well, I just just want to clarify.
3: I just want to clarify. And I would not disagree. I would not disagree. That was not one that Edmonton won.
1: No, no. But it wasn't one where, you know, they did it to to help the league, is all I'm saying. Because that was always a rumor. Oh, they're forced to make it. I'm like, I can tell you unequivocally that that is false. No. Yeah. So uh, definitely not. Um, well, the other team in town where uh, back in uh, early November, uh, people were ready to just blow them up. They were brutal. And now they've won 18 of their last uh, 21 games, including 10 consecutive games. And uh, they are winning in a way. They're still scoring goals, but uh, their team defense, uh, and I say team defense because it's forwards coming back, it's defense, it's goaltending. You know what? It's been the second best behind Winnipeg for the last two months.
3: Well, and and Jay, I'm glad you said team defense because we'll sometimes uh, even those who people who know a great deal about hockey will fixate on the guys on the blue line. That's not just the only defense that's required to be successful in the NHL. And what and 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 you know, from watching this team as long as you have and covering it as closely as you do. They were never as bad as they actually, you know, the results were seen. And I know that sounds hollow. And in the moment, everyone's like, oh, my God, they're not even going to make the playoffs. And this is terrible. And, yeah, it was in the moment. Yeah. But it, it, it's never as good and it's never as bad. So you knew that inside the problems they were having was a good team and perhaps a really great team. I don't know that yet. We don't know because they're not at that part of the season. But they, they, were, they were too good to be that bad. Yeah. And lo and behold, and I don't know enough about systems to know how appreciably different Chris Knoblock is to Jay Woodcroft, but what I look at is when they play well, I don't think it's a fluke. I look at, and I my sort of litmus test for this is, can you repeat what you did from night to night to night? There's going to be games where you're better than other times. But do you have things in place and a style of play that is consistent? And that's what they look like now to me.
1: Yes, no, it's uh, it's totally fair. They they you know Paul Coffey's come in and really they, they worked on I think a lot of just instilling confidence in players, which I think can be mm-hmm. a lost art. Uh, and, co- and you've been around a lot of coaches, Dave. Like I, I think that it's something that the best coaches. Are really good community. It's not just the X and O's. Yeah, you know what? You can be X and O's here. But I, I don't know if you get to the, the you got this one coach who's like a mastermind X and O's compared to other coaches. I'd, I'd be surprised. There might be the odd guy. But for the most part now, it's communication, how you communicate and how how do you get the best out of your players? Because they're not in the pros if they're not skilled. Right, they don't get there by fluke and being lazy. That doesn't happen. Right, they all work really hard, and it's about okay. Can we get them together? And and it kind of to go full circle now with the green and gold. And um, where do you like? I look at Chris Jones, and I'm only going to base this off track record because to me that's that's what else can you value? Chris Jones when he's only the coach, Dave, has been very good. He's won championships. When he's the coach and the GM and the DC, there's not the success there. Right, like, how long do you think this is sustainable for this team? And like, I, I know there's talk about you know bringing in a DC, but I wonder if the DC is just there in name. You know what I mean?
3: Well, yeah, I mean, we'll never really really know that part. But you know, to your point about how many hats can you wear? Um, you know, there were general managers in New England uh, with Belichick, or say there may have a different title, but Belichick had an outside, like an enormous sphere of influence, as you would expect someone of his stature to have within an organization. Um, It's a lot in this day and age to carry that much responsibility. It's just too big a job. And I don't care if you're talking about the CFL, NCAA, NFL, whatever. I mean, the, the job of a head football coach, really the head coach of any, you know, organization, team, is a lot for one and you have to be super well organized which i'm sure they are and there's all sorts of other things but you have to have the necessary support but to your point it's a lot um for one individual to carry that and you know i, I think that there sometimes needs to be separation and wally bono did it really well for a long time in a couple of places right in calgary and and, and bc but i know and i worked with don matthews he was uh, only the head coach yeah. and that's probably a very good thing and Don if he were alive probably would agree that that would not be his strength you know he can know which players would work in the, in the moment but I don't know if that would be something that because you know they, they're they different skill sets
1: Yes 100% uh, J-Mo I really appreciate coming on uh, sharing a little about uh, uh, Robin we don't uh, we don't want to forget him uh, we all miss him no, and um, no. so uh, we appreciate
3: he, you coming on He will on. not be forgotten Jay there was you know, we are in, and I know that the landscape has changed in, in sports journalism and, and sports coverage, but we cannot forget that guys like John short, Robin Brownlee um, and, and individual like they're, I was asked about legacy, about, you know, what is the legacy of these guys? Well, I'm talking to one of John short's legacies and that's you um, guys like you were inspired by John. And there were people who maybe they don't know it in the moment, who were inspired by reading Robin Brownlee, and maybe they've got a blog, maybe they've got you know writing for Oilers Nation, whatever it is. Those people, the, the 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 men and women who covered our teams, make Edmonton made Edmonton such a great sports town, and Robin was a big part of that. And I don't think he's going to be forgotten. The words and the columns may fade a little bit, but you know um, we got to remember that uh, we're here today and certainly talking sports because of the contributions of those two gentlemen.
1: Yeah. Well said, JMO. Uh, really appreciate it, my man. Good chat with you again. Thank you, my friend. Good, good talk to you. There you go. That's uh, Dave Jamison, of course, uh, uh, worked for the uh, Green and Gold for man almost two decades, and then of course uh, has been uh, on Sports Talk Radio for uh, quite a long time as well. And uh, knew the knew the Rubinator for uh, quite a while. Speaking of Robin, we've had some text guys. Where's the GoFundMe page? If you, well, the easiest way is just go to Sports1440.ca. And, uh, that's under me. just scroll down and you'll see it right there. There's a, a big link and you can click it and it'll take you to the uh, GoFundMe page. Uh, you can see it on, uh, our Facebook page. It's also on, uh, on Twitter. There's an article that orders Nation. So there's lots of different places, uh, to find it. Uh, we, we really need to help out, uh, Robin and, uh, his, uh, his immediate, his wife, uh, Annalyn and, and son Sam. So, um, if, uh, if you can spare 20 bucks, it'll add up really quick. Think about how many listeners we have. If it's just people start throwing in ten or twenty bucks, it'll make a huge difference. So um, we'd uh, we'd appreciate. It. I know Annalyn and Sam would uh, really, really appreciate that. Uh, they could use it It's to, to, uh, a tough time uh, financially for them uh, moving forward with this sudden passing of uh, Robin Brownlee. Uh, we'll come back. We have the uh, two minute warning with Cam Tate. Uh, Terry Ryan is going to uh, join us talking about. It's it's Monday, but it feels like positive Monday with the uh, story of uh, T R um, coming out of retirement for one game. And uh, really, it was the uh, the post-game press conference that I think uh, got a lot of people's reaction, which was awesome. So uh, we'll get to that and uh, much more on the Monday edition of the Jason Greger Show and Sports 1440 live on Orders Nation YouTube presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Well, there's lots of uh, afternoon hockey in the NHL today. And uh, games that impact the Orders. The uh, Canucks lost in a shootout to the uh, Blue Jackets, so uh, if you think the orders still have a chance at first, that benefits them. Seattle shut out in Pittsburgh, 3-0. The Kings and the Hurricanes are tied at one. Now that one's big. Uh, L.A. loses that game. Uh, The orders are one back with a game in hand and uh, could find themselves third place in the Pacific. Tomorrow, uh, later tonight, the uh, Nashville Predators are taking on the Golden Knights, and uh, if you're an order fan, you're cheering for Nashville. Right. I know that, uh, you know, they're right there ahead of the orders in the wildcard race, but they played way more games. And, uh, I think it's only a matter of time before they pass them. But, uh, you have another Golden Knights loss as they're banged up. And, uh, Edmonton would be four, uh, six points back with five games in hand. So, uh, that could be a, a huge, Game. Just keep the, uh, the opportunity. All of a sudden, you know, you win another game. Now you're four back with four games in hand. Uh, all you got to do is go 500 and Edmonton has the uh, tiebreaker because they have more regulation wins. So I think, uh, second place in the uh, Pacific, which two months ago seemed like a pipe dream. Now looks, uh, looks rather easy, rather easy, kind of like the uh, opening touchdown of the game this afternoon. So,
2: there you go. I uh, spoiler alert for Declan is watching uh, on the most delayed stream of all time.
1: Yeah, he's like a <laughs> I don't know. Like, put some headphones on. Don't listen to the show. How's that possible? I didn't even say who it was. I just said the opening touchdown of the game. I didn't say which team because I know some people might have uh, recorded. But hey, we're doing live sports talk. Like, of course, we're going to talk about live shows. All right. So. He just saw it. He just saw it. All yeah. right. Well, there, there you go. So uh, now he's caught up. <laughs> Uh, speaking of caught up, let's get to another uh, rip-roaring edition of the uh, two-minute warning brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling, home with the no payments, no interest for one year on your furnace. Remember, if your furnace conks out, and we got actual messages from listeners who got help over the weekend with their furnace from Legacy. It was outstanding. Trust me. Uh, everything we say in the show will happen. They have great service. They don't gouge you and they never charge overtime. LegacyHeating.ca Cam Tate, of course, the two-minute warning now.
4: Thanks there, Big J. Today's topic, please don't yell. Fast Eddie here. Reading what's his name, I mean. Cam Tate's words on the two-minute warning. If you're like me, you're going to get out to some hockey arenas this week in Edmonton for Edmonton Quick Card Minor Hockey Week. And like all good hockey fans, hear that now, parents. You're going to clap, yell, jump up and down, I will take a pass, thank you. And bang, not pound our hands out the glass to celebrate a great glove grab. A zooming shot from the point. A player turning on the jets to backcheck. And of course. Goals. Now I understand and respect not all calls by referees are going to garner such glowing praise. I get that. I do, all the way home. But Edmonton Quick Card Minor Hockey Week is different. Dare I say. Special. But it is in celebrating the true spirit of why the game was first played. Here, in Canada, March 3rd, 1875. Long before any thought of it becoming a professional sport, and now a multi-billion dollar business the game was fun. It can be competitive. Absolutely. But if you're not getting paid to win why not relax. Enjoy the game sure if you lose it's not the end of the world is it this is a few laps around the rink to g back to my point referees and while money makes the world go around sometimes the lack of it shows the profound grace of people a classic example the referees all of them, are volunteering their time for the tournament an act of goodwill so if you're out at a game and you see a call you don't agree with which is perfectly fine. Try to keep your opinion under your jacket, please. Because, again, Edmonton Quick Card Minor Hockey Week is run by volunteers. And we don't yell obscenities to volunteers. Just because they're wearing black and white stripes. Do we? The 2-Minute Warning with Cam Tate. Mondays. Fridays. The Jason Greger Show. Sports 1440.
1: It's well said. Uh, we had a spirited game on uh, Sunday. And, of course, I- anybody who's involved in, um, knows that, uh, you know, you win or you lose your first one, it, it really doesn't matter because after that, it's now single elimination. You get to your second game, you win your first game. If you lose your second, you're out. It's just how it goes. And, of course, uh, after regulation, if it's tied, there's a minute of 5-on-5, five five, a minute of 4-on-4, four four, minute of 3-on-3, three three, minute of 2-on-2, two two, and then a minute of 1-on-1, on one, it just keeps going until somebody scores. And uh, so we had a game, and that's U11. And uh, our team had uh, heavily outshot the opposition. And uh, with about uh, three minutes to go in the game, they uh, one of their kids uh, high-sticked the puck, clear above his head, he high-sticked the puck in, tied the game. And, uh, the, you know, the refs missed it. Called him over and asked them, and they're like, sir, that was like a blatant high stick. And I was very calm because, you know, they're younger, but they weren't that young. Like, one of the refs was probably in his 20s. And I just said, well, he said he didn't see it. I'm like, okay, like, what else can you do at that point? Right, uh, we ended up losing uh, in uh, two on two, and of course, you know, the kids are pretty devastated. And but at the same time, you know, it's frustrating, but it's also a learning lesson. Say, guess what? Life isn't always fair. Not everybody's going to get it right all the time. We don't have the luxury of uh, instant review that they have uh, in the NHL or uh, even in the WHL at times. So it's kind of how you go. It uh, it was a tough one, but uh, you know, it's a fun tournaments. great time. I uh, enjoy it. You know, it's a little kind of boost for the, uh, the kids to play in. And that was, uh, that was a tough loss, but it's the first time I've ever actually gone to overtime and, uh, you know, seeing the five on five and the four on four and the three on three and the two on two. And it, uh, it definitely <laughs> is, uh, is a little more exciting slash nerve wracking at the time. So, uh, enjoy it. And yes, uh, if the officials miss a call, don't freak out. Cause I always say this, if one of your kids missed a call, are you going to be yelling, what are you doing? Probably not. Right. So why would you yell that way at an official? They're going to miss a call just like your kid's going to miss a play. It just happens. It's all part of uh, uh, Minor Hockey Week and part of uh, Minor Hockey on, on a on a week-by-week basis, right? And I, I, it's one that I know I said, well, why do you remind people? Well, because all you got to do is look and see the videos that are out there. There's still people, that, and some of them might be good people, but they just lose their minds because they're not remembered in the moment. It's a minor hockey game, okay? Your life is not going to change whether that call is reversed, whether it's correct or incorrect. It doesn't change. If you think your son or daughter's career ends because of that game, I don't think you understand where the career path is. So that's, you just have to remind people sometimes because, you know, people get a little bit, uh, you know, fired up. And, you know, you see it. I, I've seen coaches, even at the minor, like they think, well, if I yell at the ref, you know, I'm going to intimidate him and then the calls are going to go our way. And that might happen, but really that's, that's your plan. Like, come on, give me a break. That's not, uh, I just don't think it's ideal in my, my own opinion. So, uh um, we'll see how it goes. Uh, lots of texts flying in 833-401-1440. Hey guys, why are the orders not playing Gagne? Well, because he's not healthy, Frank. They're not going to play Phil Kemp at, at um, Winger, if Sam Gagne is cleared to play, it's just that simple. Okay, he still hasn't been 100% cleared to play. That's just how it is. So, um, I don't expect Sam Gagne to play tomorrow. We'll see when he gets back in the lineup. He's wearing like a normal practice jersey, so he's close, but uh, still not 100%. And who knows? Maybe we don't see him until after the all star break in a game, but. Don't get upset and be like, "Why is this guy but Sam Gagne is not healthy to play?" Full stop. And uh, and that's why they're uh, where they're at. Ryan McLeod was under the weather. Uh, he was back on the ice today, feeling good. Uh, he will play tomorrow. The orders did switch up uh, a little bit of their lines, not not a major one, but Canes with Dry, Subtle, and Fogle. McLeod is centering uh, Jan Mark and Ryan, and of course the McDavid line stays together. The defense pairs are the same, and you will have. Ernie, Hamlin and Brown as the uh, the fourth line for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, they take on the uh, Maple Leafs, who uh, will be playing their third game in four nights tomorrow. They uh, lost at home on Saturday and Sunday. Blue, they had a 3-0 lead out of the first period of Colorado, lost 5-3. And uh, yesterday had a 2-1 lead to Detroit, uh, ended up losing that one. They gave up uh, the game-winning goal with under two minutes to go, and then the Red Wings scored an empty netter to make it 4-2. So they'll come in here a a little bit, I would think, frustrated. But the Orders, they got a lot of confidence. And I think they look at Toronto and they feel like, hey, you know, that's a team that we don't play them a lot, but we owe them something. Because they've really controlled the Orders for the last five years. Everybody remembers the uh, the COVID shortened season It wasn't great. It was three five and one record for Edmonton, right? Uh, basically, uh, Toronto won six of the nine games. Then they swept them the year after, and then they split last year. So it has not been a it's not been a great run for the uh, for the Edmonton Orders, right? Uh, they've only won four of the last thirteen meetings against the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. So, um, you know, looking to get their eleventh win uh, definitely won't be easy. So hey guys, uh, they even get it wrong a lot more than you think, even with review. Are you serious, Ryan from Bentley? Um, now, so you think it's right. Do you ever think for a moment that maybe you're watching it with a biased eye as a fan of your team? the uh, the Leon Dry subtle offside call to me. I can't say either way. Like, I looked at angles. Was it on? Was it off? Did he have control? All I know is it took way too long. And if you have to spend that much time on it, it's not what the rule is in place for. The offside rule was to eliminate the obvious ones. That when you watch it the first or second time and you just watch it in normal slow motion, you're like, okay, that's offside. Done. Simple. You move on. That's what the rule is supposed to be in place for. And now they've jumped the shark. It's it's stupid the amount of time that they will look at something and then claim that well, it was. Really? Sure? After all that time? I don't think it's necessary. But uh but that's just me. So uh we'll see how it goes. Hey guys, uh realistically, are there any defense when you could see the orders going after I keep hearing everybody talk about upgrading Cody CC. I don't see who. That one comes in from Nicholas Well, Nicholas, Sean Walker is a name who's out there. Now, Sean Walker does some things better than Cody Cece. He's better at puck retrievals, going back to get the puck and making a better pass. Right? He's a better passer than Cece. I don't think there's much question on that. Now, is he a better penalty killer than Cody Cece? That'll be debatable. Is he a better pure defender than Cody Cece? Now, you can argue because he's able to get the puck out quicker. That, to me, is part of being a good defender because now you don't have to defend. Right? The the concern for Walker is that he's 5'11", and you'd be playing him with Darnell Nurse, and Nurse plays a lot of tough minutes. Even with Ekholm here, it's pretty much split. So you're still playing him a lot of tough minutes. You're not just suddenly going to play Bouchard that many tough minutes against the Leeds. I don't think he's there yet. Where he's at's fine. But I don't know if I would suddenly increase it to up to 70%. It doesn't make sense to me. That's not his forte. He's improving defensively, great. But I think we would all agree his forte is offensive puck, movement, as it should be. So that's an option. Chris Tanev. Now, Calgary is what, four points back of Edmonton? Like right now, I don't see Calgary trading Chris Tanev to Edmonton. And here's the thing on Tanev. Tanev blocks more shots, probably a little bit better of a pure defender, but also has a, has a worse injury history. Right? He's not going to bring you a whole lot more offense than CeCe. And his cap hits higher, so how much better is he? Like honestly, that's a really good question. What is he three percent better? Four? Now, trust me, I can make the argument that three or four percent better can be the difference sometimes in winning a series. I totally agree. But when you look at his cap hit, is significantly higher. Well, now you got to weigh that, right? So how, you know what would you fit? And really would Calgary have any interest in taking Cody Cece back for him? I and mean, otherwise you can't make the trade. I don't see how it works. So, and after that, man, it is, it's pretty slim pickings. Now, you know, another name that's intriguing, but they're right in the mix is William Carrier, the defenseman in Nashville. Talking to uh, to people who watch him more than I have, I'm quite high. He's got a lot of numbers. I've looked up his numbers, but there's some people who are, You know, think, hey, this guy, this could be a pretty good option to go after. So those would be. But, you know, Philly's in a playoff spot right now. And I could see them trying to want to re-sign Walker. Then let him go for, you know, whatever you're going to get. Some, you know, maybe a second rounder. I don't don't know. maybe, Maybe he would go for a first. Maybe. So. I'm not sure. Hey, guys, uh, do you think we could make a Ryan and a pick trade for Sean Monahan from uh, Joe Daddy? Well, the pick would have to be pretty high for sure. Um, Derek Ryan does have one year left in his deal, right? So, you know, a team good veteran guy, can play the game for you, thinks the game very well, can kill penalties. I guess it's, it's possible. Right now, Montreal is probably, you know, do they want an older guy in return for Monaghan or would they rather get, you know, a pick and a prospect? I'm guessing they would go with the latter. So, but now you might have to, you know, you include Ryan or whoever because you've got to make the salary work. I understand that for sure. So, well, uh, uh, I do think Edmonton is, is going to look to, to revamp their, uh, specifically their fourth line. Like, honestly, I think they're going to make two moves there up front. Heck, maybe even three, but I think two for sure. That's what I think is happening uh, up front. The, uh, the right defenseman, they will look. Can you find one? I think it's harder. Uh, uh, it's easier said than done to do that. 301, Jason Greger, Connor Halley with you. When we return, Terry Ryan. And a surprise phone call that might have given him the best opportunity for full closure. That's coming up uh, next. After the Command Sports 1440 update brought to you by BIE Engineering. Specializing all your residential, commercial, and industrial, structural engineering needs. Go to BIEENG.com.
3: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.